0: had a lot of success joined host analytics in 2014 right when they were doing you know much less than they're doing now they're now serving over 70 customers 85 million dollars raised call it between a 40 and 50 million dollar run rate so far asp around 70 grand they're spending about 100 grand to get those customers again they're really focused on bringing the the really financial departments of these companies to the cloud and online. Right now, only 5% of really folks have done that. So he is in a time machine. They are doing very, very well, though. Team of uh, team of about 300 folks scattered between India and United States. His secret to growth, I love EBITDA stickers. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funds looks like and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000-unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you wanna get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing though, this database, I keep it to myself it's so freaking valuable and to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage I'm only letting 10 companies on each month so we're full this month but you can go to gitlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month and look there's big people on the waiting list I mean the biggest VCs you've ever heard of you've probably heard of them they're big private equity billions and billions under management so it's an impressive waiting list go get on now at gitlatka.com. this is episode 778 coming up tomorrow morning I talk to the CEO of Foursquare you've heard of them and I broke down I said Jeff break down the transition from hot consumer social network to enterprise B2B SaaS data company. This will surprise you, but you've actually used Foursquare in the past 24 hours, even if you didn't realize it. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Dave, Dave Kellogg. He has more than 20 years of leadership experience at high-growth companies. His experience includes being CEO of Mark Logic, CMO of Business Objects, and member of the Astrodata Board of Directors. He's also served in advisory roles to MongoDB, developer TenGen, Hadapt, and Tableau Software. Prior to joining Host Analytics as CEO, that's what he does obviously today, he served as Senior Vice President and General Manager for Service Cloud at Salesforce.com, overseeing one of the company's fastest-growing businesses. Previously, he spent six years as CEO of MarkLogic, growing that company from zero in revenues to an $80 million annual run rate. Before that, again, he was at uh, Marketing and Business Objects for nearly a decade as the company grew from 250 to 4,500 people and from $30 million to over $1 billion in annual revenues. Buckle up, folks. It's going to be a good one. Dave, are you ready to take us to the top? All right. So you have kind of quite a background here. I could focus on a lot of different things, but kick us off with your current, uh, your current challenge you're going after. What is host analytics and how do you make money?
1: Sure. Host Analytics is a SaaS company that is disrupting the space for enterprise performance management. Uh, In plain English, that means we sell software to corporate finance departments to help with financial planning and analysis. And and what is the
0: name of few other companies that you would say are kind of in this space, just to give more context?
1: Sure. The, the the primary vendor back in the day was Hyperion Software, that got acquired by Oracle. Uh, so they they ruled in the on-premises era. And then, if you look at other cloud vendors, you might find people like AnaPlan or Adaptive okay, Insights. Okay. Now, are as well you? As
0: I assume you're probably not doing any on-prem stuff. Are you strictly a SaaS model? Yeah, 100% got it, got it. And five five for those of you that don't know, on-prem that basically means literally Davis putting on his overalls, hiking out to the location, setting up a little, <laughs> a little, a little server-controlled, climate-controlled room, and installing these things manually. Dave's not doing any of that, right? <laughs> okay, we don't do that. No, <laughs> All right, so good. So purely SaaS model. And what are the levers, Dave, that you're using to to determine kind of what uh, pricing category customers fall into? Is it like you know API calls, number of ledger entries per month? What what are those unit economics?
1: Yeah, it's a tricky space for that because um, corporate finance departments don't actually scale that much with the size of a company. And the number of users of our kind of software actually varies much more with the corporation's um, centralization philosophy. So some big companies are super centralized and only four or five people make the plan. And some little companies will empower 200 people with budgets and they all need to use the software. So our pricing model is based on a fixed base fee plus a per user fee to try and help Interesting. Okay, what's the fixed base fee? Uh, the fixed base fee varies from and what makes to it variable uh what edition you have what size company you are how much got functionality it. So that's you literally need. like
0: number of employees etc okay got it and then Correct, uh right? sorry i was thinking about the fixed base and forgot the second part you said so then then the monthly recurring is per user per user
1: yeah, they're both, they're actually both recurring and, uh, yeah, there's a base fee plus a per user fee. Um, and that will vary as a type of user you are, you know, are you the VP of financial planning in which case you're using just about every function in the product or are you the VP of marketing who's just entering a budget. Okay. And checking so that how fixed base doing.
0: fee you said is recurring. I assume that 25 to 50 K is that a monthly recurring or annual?
1: Okay. It's uh, annual. okay, an okay annual and then what is the
0: per user fee on average annually?
1: Uh, for a light user, it might vary from a couple hundred bucks to um, got it. So a okay, wow, so
0: big range there. So uh, call it a hundred up to a couple thousand. And then who are the uh, so yep. now that we have more of that backstory? Take us back to kind of your story. You've seen a lot. I mean, you were at Salesforce during the growth scale days. You know those kind of days. Why decide? Like when did you exit that world and jump into Host Analytics?
1: Sure. So I joined host a little more than four years ago. Um, and for me it was jumping back to the startup world. So I'd run Mark Logic as a startup, really from zero revenue up to an eighty million dollar run rate. What uh, happened I went to, that? to Salesforce to try to be a general manager? Uh Mark Logic when I left, uh, the, the company right now is still private and still doing very well. Um they, they did a unicorn round a few years ago. So I basically passed the reins off to somebody who then passed the reins uh to a guy named Gary Bloom who's done okay, a great What job did they in raise the that unicorn
0: round? Okay, got uh, it. At More million. than a billion dollar valuation. And are you do you still have upside barrel like equity? That's great. So, uh, so, yeah, so how do you how did you for somebody right now in, in that position, we have a lot of sophisticated people that listen to this, they're in a company, uh, they've helped it grow significantly, their options are already vested. How did you exit that without having to worry about like clawback on your options or any kind of crazy stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the best strategy I think people can do, provided they have the capital, and this is a function of your capital and when you join the company, but it's an argument for joining startups early where you have a very low strike price. If you can do like an 83B reverse exercise, then even if the stock appreciates a lot, if the business conditions are correct for you to leave, you can leave without the complexity of having to deal with uh, alternative minimum tax or, or needing to sell shares in the secondary, uh, almost definitionally opaque secondary market. Um, so the strategy that I'd recommend and i generally generally follow is to try and, you know, in tranches, 83 B exercise, your options. When you you
0: do that, that does shelter for like, I'm trying to get a sense of when you take the tax it on the Delta between your, you know, your exercise price and the strike price.
1: Right. And if you do this 83B reverse exercise, you minimize that. For example, the, the degenerate cases on day one, you exercise yep. all hundred percent of your options. So the, so the, basically the FMV equals the fair strike market price, value, right? The fair market value equals the strike price. Therefore there is no, yep. but uh, there's obviously be been risk there because you uh, don't know
0: if those are actually going to be valuable over time, which is why people don't do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've lost the optionality, right? So, so if you join a company where it's four bucks a share, well, that's a hard nut to crack. Whereas if you join a company very early phase where it's a nickel share, or 10 cents a share, uh, it, it's like I said earlier. So it's an argument for joining companies early phase. Because Interesting. You can actually okay. Do that.
0: I cut you off because I wanted to hear what happened with Mark logic, how you got out of that. So continue the story there. What happened after Mark logic?
1: So, so after Mark Logic I wanted to find another startup to run. I looked at actually 104 Jeez. different opportunities. Uh, literally, over the course of 10 months, I met with two to five people a day for 10 months, just networking. Uh, didn't find anything I wanted. Were you an EIR, Dave? I mean, were you was part was of a VC for? firm doing this? No, I actually did it on my own. You know, it would have been a good idea to do that, but uh, I actually just did it on my own, just kind of tracing through my network, meeting with entrepreneurs, founders, venture capitalists, angels. I was actually somewhat amazed that I was able to keep doing it. I think I could have done it for another year, frankly, without running out of network. It was really amazing. It was a great time for me. But uh, in the end, I had some buddies at Salesforce who was like, hey, come be a general manager. We got this great product, the Service Cloud. It's our, it's our second biggest product at the time. And I thought, what the heck? One of the things, that, you know, I have 10 years of CMO experience. I have 10 years now of CEO experience. I've never actually been a GM at a big company. So I, so I thought I'd give that a try. Uh, I enjoyed it. I love Salesforce. I mean, Salesforce is some of the best people I've ever worked with. Um, so, so I had a great time at Salesforce. I learned a lot about SaaS at Salesforce. Um, I learned uh, many, many things there. So it was a great experience, but in the end for me, my heart's really in the smaller company. So the other thing I learned is that, you know, for me, uh, I much prefer to be running a smaller company. So how did you GM meet the host run.
0: analytics founders? how did you get into that company in 2014?
1: Sure. So the way I found them was actually through, uh, as often in Silicon Valley it was through a common friend who had worked with the business objects back in the day. And he had joined the board of directors of hosts several years earlier. He's a VC. Um, and he mentioned to me that they were in the market. Uh, he's actually an independent director. He's an operating guy like me. Um, and, uh, he mentioned, Hey, they were, they were uh, contemplating a CEO search. They were starting out a search. Um, and he told me, you know, all the good things about the company. So I, I came and interviewed and, and it, it met. My criteria, Which was what, I mean, form. what
0: was the revenue run right at that point or whatever your key metrics were.
1: Sure. So, so I think it was, let's just say plus or okay. minus 10 in ARR. Um, and to me, that's an important criteria because, you know, you can get to 1 million with a bad idea. It's hard to get to 10 <laughs> with a bad idea, right? So, so it, it's kind of a rite of passage to say there's a lot of risk taken out of it. If you can, you know, get to order of magnitude 10 million in ARR, um, there's a lot of risk off the table. So that was a key criteria to me. Um, another key criteria was happy customers. I did a lot of customer diligencing. Uh, another criteria, uh, key criteria was a board of directors who, who I got along with very important when you're the CEO. Um, another criteria for me was a SaaS model. I, I really wanted to run a SaaS company and do a kind of SaaS mm-hmm. disruption so play.
0: If you're comfortable, and you can give a ranger plus or minus, so it was 10 million plus or minus AR 2014. What are you guys at today? How, how, how much have you grown it?
1: So, so I'd say grow it uh, 4, 4x plus Got or minus it. over the time frame. So, Got so we're coming up on, you know. So call, 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 call it, it <laughs> I won't put words in your mouth, but
0: call it plus or minus 40 million in ARR here, you know, current day, mid 2017.
1: Yeah, that's great 15, now so have you has the this.
0: company raised capital or they're totally bootstrapped
1: no no we've raised capital the company actually has a prehistory it was founded early in 2001 as a consulting firm and for seven years they actually built the product by bootstrapping and then in 2008 they raised vc and i joined uh whatever it was uh, after that so there's a phase one lifetime where they grew the company to a certain size um and then i took so what they raised total to date. Today uh, we have raised uh, plus eighty-five million bucks. Okay, and
0: how do you? So, so I want to get more kind of into the kind of the growth metrics around this thing. So, first question I have for you, because of your background, you have all the ten years of these different roles, especially at Salesforce. Is there kind of a unique, weird thing that you've done to acquire customers? So, don't say inbound marketing, don't say paid spend, don't say inside sales team. Is there any like really? You're like, I can't believe this thing worked.
1: Uh, Yeah, I can give you the weirdest one we've done is we made these uh stickers that say I Heart EBITDA <laughs> on them. Um And if you walk around with an I Heart EBITDA sticker, you'll be amazed it comes up to you and talks to you. And, and we've won business, literally, for the cost of a, a $0.75 cent sticker. Uh, I met a CFO of a public company in a restaurant. One of my guys met a CFO of a public company in a bar. Um, people just come up and start talking to you, and, and wow, $0.75. Can, cents can and you
0: actually credit one of your like closed customers back to – them saying hi at a restaurant because that sticker oh my god i love that do you have one of the stickers near you (laughs) like can you hold one up is it close by or no i
1: I do i do i freaking love this and
0: these (laughs) cost you 75 cents to make oh my gosh
1: yeah because the only people are going to come up
0: to you with an (laughs) iheart e the sticker are the freaking nerds that are going to be your customers right you have to be a little weird to love ebitda
1: Absolutely. That's why it works so well, which is literally, you're, you're never going to get an unqualified lead hysterical. off the sticker. That right? is hysterical. How much have <laughs> you
0: spent on stickers, would you say, over the past five years?
1: Oh, not that much. I don't know, a couple
0: thousand bucks. I mean, That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good stuff. Okay. Talk to me in terms of customers. How many customers are you serving today?
1: Uh, okay, Do customers. you
0: see kind of the 80-20 kind of proto's principle in this? In, in other words, 80% of these customers, or sorry, 20% of these customers make up 80% of your revenue?
1: Uh, no, I'd uh, not say that. No, 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 not at all. I'd say we're a little bit, yeah, we're not, we're not 80, 20. I'd say okay. we're almost bimodal. You know, we, we have an inside sales team that sells to smaller businesses and we have an enterprise sales team that sells to enterprise businesses. So we kind of have, you know, kind of two clumps. Okay. In our distribution. Interesting.
0: But, but you would say they're pretty equal. You kind of run them as different, two different cohorts
1: yeah we run them as two different cohorts different sales forces um and uh, yeah they're, they're roughly about half the business each to be honest about half is going to price okay size, interesting about and
0: size. you said you, you again we're obviously plus or minus you we're talking in ranges in terms of numbers but you said earlier you know you're somewhere called between 40 and 50 a million bucks in arr if i divide that by 12 you're somewhere around 3.7 million bucks in mrr with 700 customers each one's paying you somewhere around what five grand per month is that about accurate
1: Uh, if you do the math on what I said, the ASP aggregated is around 70 K a year. I work in ARR, not M, sorry. That's okay. No,
0: that's, that, that seems about right. So if I take that, you know, fifty three hundred bucks in, in MRR multiplied times that 12, that gets much, much closer cause actually about 64 grand in ASP. So close to that 70 grand you just articulated. Um, interesting. So do you require that folks are paying up front? That's how you make sure you don't have any cash gap issues.
1: Uh, it varies. You know, I, I think one of the trickier issues in SaaS is, is payment terms. Um, some, you know, some people. I mean, Salesforce started out monthly uh, back in the day. Some people do quarterly. We we do annual, um, and we will take either a one-year prepay. We'll also take a longer-term prepay if the customer wants to do it. Um, and there's some math in there that I think. You know, basically, if you're giving a discount smaller than your churn rate for a multi-year prepay, yep. everybody yep. wins
0: that's really Um, smart um what is your turn currently monthly or annual uh
1: yeah we look at it annually i'd say plus or minus 15 and that's customer not revenue and that's obviously uh that, that uh, on either logos oh, are it's similar and that's pre upsell. Yeah, I'd say similar. That Dave, say that's equal, actually but... very
0: surprising to me for a company your size. Usually a company doing the kind of revenue you're doing has really mastered driving expansion ARPUs over time. In which case churn customer logo churn is usually much much higher than actually revenue churn. Yours is equal. Why?
1: Oh, sorry because I was giving it to you on a oh, pre upsell. Give basis. me post upsell. So. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. most upsells negative. And yeah. Are yeah negative very cool. Um,
0: and then, what are you spending to acquire a new customer on average?
1: You know, buck fifty. I'd say typically uh, in a bad quarter, two bucks, in a good quarter we can beat the buck fifty. Wait, we hold on, hold on, hold on. Already. You're paying a you're paying yeah. a buck
0: fifty for a dollar of new ARR. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's yeah, so. Buck 50 for I was gonna say, guys, it's so customer, funny. Yeah. <laughs> depending on the kind of CEO I'm talking to, obviously this is a very mature company. They'll give answers, Dave, in different things. So like, I knew ex- immediately what we were talking about because that's very traditional at companies your size. But other people would go a buck fifty for a new five thousand dollar per month customer. What is Dave smoking? <laughs>
1: yeah no no sorry 1. got it I I now no, i'm gonna try and
0: do the math and figure out what that is per customer uh so if 70k okay so okay yeah so you're spending about 70 grand for a new customer uh
1: well i think 1.5 times 70 okay, would more be, than 70 uh, between be 70 and 100 100K, yeah. Actually, yeah. okay interesting yeah, and yeah. what is your
0: what's your people breakdown look like what's your team size and how many of them are inside sales versus engineering
1: Sure. So we have 300 people about plus or minus again um, about hundred are in India so the company was actually co-founded uh, in the US and in India so so we have a big uh, employees these are these are not outsourced people these are host analytics employees with stock options yada yada um, so we got about hundred people in India 200 people in the US um, I'd say the I'm gonna I'm probably not gonna foot the numbers out correctly but I'd say the sales force is okay 60 yep. to 80.
0: And all those and sales all people are year.
1: in the States. Yeah. And that includes sales management and sales support and SDRs and sales. And where in the U S are you?
0: Uh,
1: we're in uh, Redwood shores. Very so right cool. So that,
0: good old California. And then what are you talking to me? Obviously this is a very, uh, this is way more art than science, but what do you assume the lifetime value is on one of these customers?
1: Sure. So our lifetime value is, is about, uh, uh, it is it's about six x six to seven x right so, so i do everything in ratios so on average i'm keeping seven million bucks seven years something like that uh yeah if
0: you wanted to do 70 that grand way, times yeah, five years yeah, right, right? <laughs> whatever interesting okay 500 grand good yeah. so you're so you're keeping your well, number one it sounds like if you're spending about 100 grand to acquire a customer they're doing 70 grand asp you keep your payback period pretty healthy at around 15 months and LTV to cac ratio is five to one that's also super healthy
1: yeah, correct. That, that's to me. I mean, the minimum LTV to CAC you want to shoot for is yep. three, in my opinion. Uh, and and like five is better than three. Seven is better than five. Yep. But we're not what there yet. You, so. uh, what did you?
0: What? Just out of curiosity, what did you spend just last month on paid ads? I'm just curious to get a sense of volume. You're, you're getting leads there from.
1: Uh, I actually don't know that number. Uh, What's it? Definitely less than.
0: Okay. So d- wow. Grand. Okay. So I, I thought actually it'd be way higher. So where oh. are you getting most of your leads from now?
1: Uh, we get a lot of leads off nurture, right? This is uh, this is one of the most interesting topics to me. Is that. For what we do, there's a life cycle for when you do it, right? So, so we'll often bump into somebody and say, Hey, have you looked at cloud EPM systems? And they're like, Nah, I'm not in pain right now, or I'm doing a big ERP implementation. So finding people is not that hard. Finding people at the right time is actually quite difficult. Um, so the other way to look at it is if you look at the cloud penetration of this market, it, it's around 5%. Wow. So still, and then this tells you something about the finance buyer yeah, 95% of all EPM software is still That's sold on premises. Um, that's mainly Oracle, right? We're, we're literally like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, correct. It, we're literally, it's like a time machine, right? Like the finance department is like 10 to 15 years behind sales in adoption. If you take the two endpoints, right? Sales was the first department to go cloud and finance is really the last department to go cloud. So finding customers is not that hard. Finding customers who are ready to move to the cloud and replace their existing system is hard. So so what it means is you need to get really good at nurture, right? Because 9.5 out of 10 people you meet are going to say, not now. Hey, I'm interested. Sounds cool. Not now. So so we we put a lot of thought into nurture. So so, well more than half That's our of nurture. Um, Last question yeah. here before
0: we wrap up with the famous five. Do you have any weird above the line expenses that throws your gross margin off of SaaS industry average? Call it eighty five to ninety percent.
1: Uh no. no okay, got so you're you're right in none. that
0: right in that margin then.
1: Yeah, I'd say we're typical Do software. you carve balance and said, not for the end. software?
0: Is there, some, is there a question I should be asking there that I missed?
1: Uh, we have a slightly larger services business uh, than most SaaS companies, so if you look at the blended gross margin, yep. it, it'll be a little lower. Um, our, our software is it's a, it's a high consideration purchase. People put a lot of energy into it. Um, you know, the, the, Zach Nelson always said that ERP is a heart transplant, right? Well, well EPM is a knee transplant, right? It, it, it's 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 not a heart transplant, but there's still some surgery involved. So in order to make sure our customers are successful, we run with a I'd say an above yep. average services business just to make sure yeah, we that get people in the goal line.
0: Turn down. line also creates current cash flow but it does it looks more like an agency model there in terms of blended gross margin
1: Uh, i wouldn't go quite that far but i'd just say uh yeah i mean we're probably 80 20 subscription versus service we're we're not crazy we're not 50 units
0: guys big news last month was a huge month for the company i recently acquired which was www.thetopinbox.com i liked the company so much when i met the person who created it it lets you send emails later on gmail Very cool, Dave. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh,
1: Favorite business book. Uh, This is such a hard one for me to answer. I'm going to go with, uh, oh gosh, darn it. Well, I'm going to go with Chaos Monkeys for now. It's not the one I had in mind. Um, But the most fun one I've read is Chaos Monkeys. I'd say... um, Uh, The halo effect would be another popular one I'm reading right now.
0: You're flipping through your notes. Do you listen to the show? You know what's coming?
1: I knew it was coming (laughs) and I wrote it down and I can't
0: find it. I'm curious. Why is a guy like, you know, podcasting is tough. I tell people all the time. I don't care how many people listen. I just want to get data and stories as quick as possible. Why do you, why do you listen to the show?
1: Uh, I just think it's great to hear firsthand from entrepreneurs. I think you do a really good job of ringing facts out of people mm-hmm. uh, and ringing them. Num- you make it very quantitative, which I think is unusual.
0: And why is a guy like you feel comfortable coming on the show and doing that? Obviously, you know, your people might go, why would you give up all those numbers to Nathan? You're crazy.
1: Yeah, uh, I tried not to. I may have given you one or two more than I hoped, to be honest. But, uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll, call that the, we'll call that the Nathan effect, right? That's the Nathan effect, yeah. <laughs> all right, Dave, question number two. Is there a CEO you're following or studying right now?
1: Yeah, I'd say Benioff. You know, I worked for him at Salesforce and, and he's very different from me. And, and those are the people you can learn so much from. So, so I think he's a phenomenal leader. Um, and I think Salesforce is a phenomenal company. So, so, so I like to look at him.
0: If he comes to you and offer it, write you a $600 million check to sell the company. Do you?
1: Uh, oh i don't know that's it's it's not my decision it's the boards as well i mean i will tell you he's the only guy who would ever respond to my emails with like a zen proverb like if you send him some really long email and you get back a proverb you're like what do i make of that
0: do you think that's some like ai machine where it just cycles through zen proverbs and replies to every
1: possible i'd like to believe it was custom selected but uh, that's so
0: funny interesting and what i'm curious your board structure is at three five seven nine what are you guys at
1: uh, I think we have six uh, I think we have seven Including me So we got five VCs And independent and me
0: Any of the Initial founders Still on there or no? Uh,
1: no The founder's a serial entrepreneur He's founded two companies since So he's oh, sold wow. some shares But he's uh, he moved He's on doing what he loves Yeah All
0: right Number three What's your favorite online tool Like HostGator I uh, well,
1: i mean i'm a big blogger so i gotta say wordpress i mean uh i use it a lot uh, i run a blog called kelblog um so it's probably the, the online tool i use the most big twitter user um i use evernote a lot but, but uh I don't number
0: know. number four how many hours of sleep do you get every night
1: uh eight actually i do get eight
0: it's pretty good and what's your current situation married single you have kids uh married four kids wow four kids what's the
1: youngest uh youngest is gonna be a freshman so, in high school or college? Yeah, in high school, sorry. yeah. yeah. Oh, wow.
0: So you're, you're in the thick of it. How old are you? Uh, me, I'm 55. 55. All right, Dave, last question. Take us back 35 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew?
1: Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, the book wasn't written yet, but, but if it was, I would have said, Go Read Power by Jeff Pfeffer. Um, it's a great book. By Jeff who? Uh, Jeff Pfeffer. He's a Stanford professor, P-F-E-F-F-E-R. And uh, it's a book about power. And, and I don't know if everybody needs it, but it was not an area that I inherently understood. Um, and it's just a great book about power, uh, as the title goes. And, uh, Interesting. It's a good book.
0: There, you guys, have it from Dave Kellogg. He would have read that book earlier on. Had a lot of success. joined Host Analytics in 2014, right when they were doing, you know, much less than they're doing now. They're now serving over 70 customers, $85 million raised, call it between a $40 and $50 million run rate so far, ASP around 70 grand. They're spending about hundred grand to get those customers. Again, they're really focused on bringing the, the really financial departments of these companies to the cloud and online. Right now, only 5% of really folks have done that. So he is in a time machine. They are doing very, very well though. Team of, uh, team of about 300 folks scattered between India and and United States his secret to growth I love EBITDA stickers Dave Kellogg thank you for taking us to the top thank you take it if you enjoyed today's episode with Dave go back and listen to yesterday's episode with David he's the CEO of Masterclass and he gives me an answer when I say David will you win the online course wars above Udemy and Linda and Creative Live and all these other guys